podcast is part of the 80s Ruled Network. Visit the 80s Ruled on Facebook for more 1980s awesomeness. Our guest today starred in numerous iconic films throughout the 1980s. She broke our hearts in The Last American Virgin. I know I'm not alone in that. But she stole them right back in Better Off Dead. She frightened us in Amityville, too, but then had us scrambling to build a time machine after Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. You'll be able to see our guest in Ted Bundy, American Boogeyman, when it hits theaters this August 16th. Please welcome to the show, Diane Franklin. Hey, Diane, how are you? Hey, bonjour. How are you? (laughs) (laughs) That's excellent. (laughs) And then now, you know, now I realize I can't use the word excellent with you you without, uh, you know, having a whole lure associated with that word. It it is totally excellent. Uh, Yes. yes. No, I mean, I even find myself saying that was totally excellent in texts and so forth. So, um, yeah, you're not the only one. Yeah, I get it. Well, you know, so I've been reading a lot about you because I've been a big fan of yours since the 1980s. And and you've written uh, books informing us about your journey uh, to become the most excellent. Okay, hang on. Let me see if I could. uh, hmm. I don't know if I get all the words in your in the title right. The Adventures oh, of the Last Adventure oh, Adventures of the Last American French Exchange Babe of the 80s. Blah. Right. Yeah, that book um you know I started uh, I wrote the book in 2012 and yeah. really it was uh you know when I wrote that book it was because I really I even didn't think people would even know who I was frankly and then I wrote the book um because I thought really people who don't know the 80s, the new generation may want to look back and go, okay, what was it really like? So I thought I want to really write something authentic. Right. And um, even sort of my vernacular and how I, you know, I wrote it. So I did that in 2012. Then I wrote um, years later, a couple years, I didn't intend to write another book, but then I wound up writing my second book. And that was because I remember and figured out that I actually was the first actress to make curly hair pretty in the eighties. <laughs> like it was like, I, I was literally the dream girl yep. in last American Virgin. And that was as shocking to be the dream girl with curly hair. So that was my second book, but now I'm writing a third book and this one's oh. on. Um, and uh, I just have to tell the audience, this is so exciting because yeah. I know I spend a lot of time and I've been telling people it's coming out, it's coming out. It will come out, I promise you. But um, I've been able to get some really great interviews. And so mm-hmm. I'm tr- t- trying to take my time and make it uh, really wonderful because it is a labor of love. It's completely like when you get this book, it's going to be pieces of information you've never known and photos you've never seen. And it'll bring back the good feeling of that film. So I really want to bring that to the to the piece because um, I love the film. I have to say it's um, it's my favorite film. I mean, obviously, I love the film. And mm. I'm very positive working experience. Although there's a lot of other films I, I really enjoyed working on, but that film has a special place in my heart. Very so. good. Yeah, and we just got a question uh, on Facebook here that said, uh, from Carl Johnson, he says, Diane, you look great. Have you started the book about Better Off Dead yet? Ah, may we? But of course, um, I will tell you something very fun. I'm trying to get interviews with people, and I actually uh, just talked to um, you know the, the band The Fix. They wrote a song sure. um, uh, with one look, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I've seen some that scene where you know 
it's with John and I, and, and, um, it's that it's, you know, with one look, you're very likable. And like, I never knew, um, you know, it's like the musicians never know what the artists and the actors are doing. The actors don't know what the musicians are doing. So I actually got to talk with him, uh, with Cy, uh, uh, and, uh, from the fix. And I'm Mm -hmm. so excited. So that's kind of a cool interview that'll be in the, (laughs) in the book. And there'll be many things coming as well, but I just, I, I just think it's interesting, um, from an actor's perspective, to see the music side of it. So every part of the film, I'm really kind of looking at and seeing uh, what's special about it. Although I just found out, I didn't know this, although probably everyone else did, that the cinematographer, um, uh, oh. Izzy, passed away. Oh. And I didn't know this. I, I just, so I just found out, I just like te- text Steve about it. And he was like, yeah, you know, and it's just, yeah. He was just so wonderful. And if you want to see Izzy, Izzy was uh, our cinematographer, but he was also, um, he wore the aardvark coat in Better Off Dead. The guy, the neighbor. Right. That was him. <laughs> that was that was our cinematographer. So oh, Savage, he was so wonderful to always put him in, you know, put people in the film. So anyway, you'll see more tidbits of that. Well, that's great. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it's unfortunate. It does seem like we're losing so many folks, you know, that we've uh, adored during that, during that era. But also in... Unfortunately, it seems like many of them are losing too young. It's not even that folks are, you know. No, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, literally, even in that film, like Mrs. Laura Waterbury is not there. Um, uh, Taylor Negron, um, David Ogden Steyer, like just, um, it just is so bizarre, you know, it just, I mean, and um, that's just in that one film, but still it's, um, that's why I think it's really important to go back and, and capture the memories while they still are there and to bring back fun memories. So, um, oh, but um, by the way, I just want to tell people, yeah. I will be bringing my coat. I'm doing a convention in Virginia okay. at the end of this month, uh, July 30th to August 2nd. Right. So if you show up, I will bring the Better Off Dead coat and you still can make it in the book. No so kidding. if you want to come there and you want to take pictures of me, uh, pick, take two pictures with me and you can right. wear the coat, uh, the actual coat that I wore in the film, of Better Off Dead, right. then I will, uh, you can send it to me and I'll put you in my book. That's amazing. So part of it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. You know that, and that look, it, it's, you know, it's so iconic because uh, you've got the coat, you've got the hat. Of course, you got your natural curly hair there. Uh was it something that um, you worked with the costume designer to come up with, or was it uh, something that was just this is what we think Monique how Monique would dress? Or well, I I you know I was very impressed with how um, out like with the with the look of my character because I didn't think that uh, I, I first of all there been there were really no characters that were ever dressed like Monique, mm-hmm. and um, so they kind of had to create it, and I was really impressed that they let me wear that big coat. Let mm-hmm. me like sort of dress sort of Annie Hallish because it wasn't something that was preset or pre-thought. I think it was just sort of creative in the moment. They knew that they could take it another level with me because I was from France and I could wear something very different, very uh, stylish, uh, very nice. So um, I think it was really sweet of them to to do that. But I, I, uh, I know that, that it, it was definitely... I remember even with my hair, like they, they had to make my hair shorter. They wanted to have a mm. look that was just a little bit more um, 
unusual, a little bit different. Um, so they did cut my hair for the film. And it's kind of, you know, just when you do different films from film to film, you know, they want a look that is specific to the film. So I think, uh, I think they did that well. Yeah, they did. And here's, yes, a, here's, here's a, you're not looking as dapper as you do in the coat, but uh, uh, still adorable though, with uh, grease all over your face here. Yeah, that was very funny. I remember them putting all that grease on my face and like, mm-hmm. and like, um, and then I remembered one of the lovely scenes uh, from this. I, I remember thinking it was, it was just so adorable. John and I were under the car and they, there's the scene where it's a montage and the oil drips on his face. Mm-hmm. And I remember that, you know, I, we knew it was a chocolate Hershey's. Oh, good. Yes. <laughs> so I knew it wasn't real oil, but we were underneath the car and I, you'll see, like I turn away and then all of a sudden I look at him and he, uh, it was just unexpected and it just hit me. And it was just such one of the funniest moments I had shooting the film was when that dropped on him because it was just like, he just kept talking and he was just, <laughs> um, it was just a very cute uh, moment. You know, John's a sweetheart. He's just great. Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, yes. Another 1980s icon, much like yourself. Um, and I think about how, and I see some folks commenting about Last American Virgin. Uh, let's see the comments. Let's see. Um, oh, how's it? There we go. Uh, George writes The Last American Virgin, a classic. Um, you know, thinking about uh, John Cusick's character, Lane, as compared, Thank you, George. <laughs> as compared to Gary in uh, Last American Virgin, they have a lot of similarities in the sense that they're, you know, very kind hearted. Uh, big hearted, loving, you know, sort of vulnerable characters, you know, and uh, the main difference probably being that uh, Gary, you know, hmm, maybe this isn't the difference. I was like, Gary falls for your character in that film, uh, you know, who to him is, has this, you know, charm and appeal. We're all fall in love with your character. Um, I was going to say that, uh, but Lane, Lane, however, you know, he goes for Beth first, you know, he doesn't learn until he has to go through this journey. Um, and of course, yeah, go ahead. It, it's interesting with um, the teenage relationships because, you know, in one, I mean, what's fascinating to me was when we did Last American Virgin, again, like you said, for Gary to see me and fall for me and having my, and I'm just saying, because I my, with my curly hair, I was like, I don't know, I've never in my life at that point, up until that point, mm. ever thought a guy would look at a dark curly haired girl and go, mm whoa you know and so um but it was actually breakthrough and I think it's great because then you know it was Jennifer Beals and uh um uh oh gosh there was like a whole bunch of other and even uh, Julia Roberts had you know dark curly hair at the beginning um but that became a thing where you suddenly went you go whoa like that hair and that you know like that look the exotic beauty um but uh the um but with with Better Off Dead you know, it was more like, oh, yeah, of course, that's the girl. You know, maybe he's not looking at her because she's, you know, kind of dressed a little tomboyish or she's just got the, sh- you know, like the curl hair. I don't know. Just it, yeah. it was it's sort of like um, it was a little bit more, I think, stereotypical in the way that was better off dead was sort of set up. Mm. Um, whereas um, Virgin, I think it just. I don't know. There's a reality in Virgin. Oh yeah, a absolutely. Moment. Yeah. So, I mean, I love both films and uh, thank you for saying that George, um, because uh, Virgin has a special place in my heart. I actually really love the movie. I see why people fall for the movie. I see why people hate the movie. <laughs> um, I see why people hate me. I hate me. <laughs> yes. Well, your character. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yes, of course. Of course. <laughs> um, and 
I've said this many times. I obviously would not have done that personally. I would have, you know, gone with Gary. Yes. I've always <laughs> been the person who cares, but I do understand, you know, um, Rick was adorable, you know, he was great. And, uh, it, when we shot the film, we were all so excited to do it, but we were all so newbies. Like we're all new and we, we bonded. Um, I mean, that's why today I'm even still friends with, you know, Kimmy Robertson. Um, and that's like a beautiful thing. I think that's one of the things that the eighties did for all of us young actors, the teen actors is that we all bonded because we all played sort of adult roles in the eighties, like adult responsibilities. Um, I don't know if that's so much happening today in films, but, um, eighties characters, I mean, the storyline would focus on the teenagers and the teenagers went through adult, uh, life right. uh, situations. Um, and I mean, I, obviously that happens today too, but I think that was the first time it was done. Right. You know, it wasn't, you know, now you can see, you know, younger people struggling with, with things. But that at that point, um, the, all the storylines before the 80s were more along the lines of the adults. We were following adult storylines. So it bonds us. Uh, I, when I go to these conventions and I see other actors, it really bonds us because we've all kind of worked uh, and gone through that kind of world together. And, you know, and we've auditioned for each other's projects, you know, mm. like I was telling, um, Catherine Mary Stewart, cause she's a friend of mine, you know, I think I, I went for, um, was it, I mean, I don't know if it was last Starfighter or night of the uh, comet or, um, dudes yeah, maybe, maybe, um, maybe, no, maybe it was, uh, maybe it was, I wasn't, um, weekend at Bernie's, but maybe it was, uh, Last Starfighter might have been okay. that. Like I, I think I auditioned for that film. Um, it's just kind of cool that everybody sort of, you know, we there have been other actors who've auditioned for roles that I've done, and uh, we just kind of now all go. You know what? You got what you got, and we all are happy with it. So mm -hmm. it's nice. Um, someone's asking, actually taking a step back here. Uh, I know you mentioned your book, but um, James is asking specifically if you have any idea when it's coming out. I know you well. Okay, my feeling is it has to come out by next February. I have to okay. get it out by then, the latest. Is that an anniversary? So, um, yeah, I have to get it out. So my goal is to get it out sooner. And um, again, it, it's just, I didn't want it to come out last year. 2020 was not the year for anything to come out. It was too hard. Yeah, sure. And uh, 20, so then this year, um, yeah, I'm trying to get it out, but I want it to be good. So we'll see. Uh, but I'm, I'm, it seems like as I'm, I'm kind of getting closer to the end, more people are going, Oh, I, can I, can I oh, be sure. interviewed? Can I oh. add something? So, uh, that's kind of what's happening now. That's great. But thank you for being excited. You know, I, uh, I think a lot of other people are very excited about it as well. I'm getting a lot of good feedback. Yeah. Good. And, uh, certainly you've been, we know that you, well, let's so folks don't know, you knew you wanted to be a performer when you were just four years old. You've been at it for quite some time. And like, uh, I can't imagine having that kind of clarity as a child, other than thinking I wanted to play with whatever the hot toy was that Christmas. Well, uh, you know, you could have uh, said, I'm going to stay on that and like just become a toy maker. But um, <laughs> um, yes. but for me, you know, I just loved acting and I loved performing mm. and I loved singing and I loved dancing. And so that is where it stemmed from creativity. So right. When you're, so, when you're um, writing now, is it, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. No. And, um, uh, I love, um, and writing stemmed from writing came actually it was interesting. I'm actually 
a really shy person. And, and if you actually have watched the podcast that I've given, and I've given a lot of them, it's because um, I'm a nice person and I like to share. Thank you for being people. nice to us. Right. I want other people to benefit, you know, like, I mean, I'm a performer, but I also know that every, a lot of people out there, um, you know, it, sometimes, you know, if you do a podcast for somebody, it just makes them feel, um, not that I do all of them. I certainly don't do just everyone, but I just think that it's important to give back. So anyway, back to the question, the book. So, um, yes, I I was very shy, but then I thought, you know, it's more important for me to get the word out than it is for me to be putting writing on a pedestal and to, Mm -hmm. to just do my best to try to get the information out. Um, and also, uh, you know, I have obviously an editor to help me, but, um, I just think it's come, it stemmed from a passion. It really stemmed, my writing stems from my passion about what I write about and wanting to, for the next generation, for them to get accurate information, because that is, I think, the hardest thing. Uh, sometimes when you get a publishing company involved and you like get people down the line, it, the information, it's like people write a script, right? And you write a script and, you know, it's like, this script is perfect, but then, there's a lot of people who say, well, don't do this and put in this and add this and let's hire this person. And and by the time it gets made, it may be so different than you sure. imagined it to be. So I have that with my books. I really try to stay in control of them and try to put as much as of what I know to be true and uh, accurate so that the next generation goes, oh, OK, that really happened or that that, you know, um, or I didn't know that. But that's it adds to some information that can help them. So I do see, uh, Kimberly had asked, uh, what is the most challenging part of being a writer? And I think you sort of touched upon it there somewhat, but, uh, how is it? it may, go ahead. say maybe, maybe. Oh, how uh, is it no, and, um, so, I mean, obviously for me, um, I think the, the biggest challenge is that, um, it just takes a lot of focus and a lot of concentration and you need to go over it and over it and over it. And, um, and that takes a lot of time because you know, you, you write it and then I take these different passes through it. So that is, you know, for the audience, if you are a writer, um, it just, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of time, but at the same time, it's very gratifying when you do it. And so I, I highly recommend people, if you have a story inside you that you want to write, I mean, I'm writing this right now and I feel like I will be writing, like I want to write a, a, a book about acting, about like what I do and like how to help others act. I want to write a, um, somebody said to me, I should write a screenplay and I've written some things. So um, I, I feel like I'll be always writing something, um, but these are important to do first. So uh yeah, but I, I hope that other people will, I hope this inspires other people. I know it actually helped Ritanya Alda with her, to write her book um, because she was very, um, she was happy to see that I wrote something and impressed that I, you know, I was able to oh, do wow. that. And, and I think it's really, I, I back all my writing friends. I'm like, you go and like, you know, have the guts, be brave. I think that's really the key. Be brave in life mm. and you won't regret it. You really won't. And for folks who haven't read your books out there already, I highly recommend them. They're a great little, not only do you learn about Diane's journey, but you get some great insights to the behind the scenes of the various films and projects uh, she worked on. Uh, worked on Some stories that you might not otherwise hear. Uh, I know we're bouncing a little around with these questions, but um, sort of yep. want to make sure we get to them. So 
Um, um, go ahead. You have something to say, Diane? I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say um, yeah. the thing that also is keeping me writing too yeah. and, and working is um, I am working on a lot of projects and I have yeah. a couple of films that are coming out. Like I have um, with the pandemic, you know, obviously a lot of things more went to direct, direct to video, but I'm right. so excited because I've just did this film called, um, not just last summer during the pandemic, mm. uh, during the height of the pandemic, during the beginning. In fact, I think this film was perhaps one of the first films to be made during the pandemic. It was when we went to shut down and right. they said, you know, everyone stay inside. So, um, we actually made this film, but, um, is a movie called uh, Ted Bundy, American Boogeyman. And so that's going to be coming out August 16th. And I'm very excited about that one because um, I have a small cameo in it, but my daughter Olivia is in it and she plays uh, one of the people that Bundy encounters. No spoilers. No spoilers. I'm not telling you anything. Zipping it up. Um, And, uh, so it's a great film, and I'm a big fan of uh, Lynn Shay. So I'm excited that she's in it, and uh, Bundy is played by Chad Michael Murray, who's amazing. Right. Um, and there's a uh, um, uh, Holland uh, Roland, who is um, uh, Roland. She plays a detective, and she's. It's actually mostly, I think, uh, a, a great tour de force for her. She's amazing. And uh, Jake Hayes, who plays the other detective, and you'll be hearing more about him. So um, anyway, so that's coming out. And then I have another movie that's supposed to come out called High Holiday, and I've been waiting for that film to come out. Um, And then I have another film that's going to be coming out um, called um, Waking Nightmare, which people have been waiting for. So there's a lot coming out. And I just, Good. if you told me that this was going to be happening years ago, I would have said, are you crazy? How could I be working so much? But mm. a lot of projects are coming out. That's so fantastic. Yeah. We're so glad to hear more surprises. Good. And I, I, you make me think of some questions I want to ask you about that, but I'm going to make sure I don't hog, you up, hog your uh, answering time here. So a few questions are related to appearances. You mentioned that you're going to be appearing in a con uh, soon. And uh, another question here asking whether you'll be in Michigan, Ohio, or Indiana. Oh, thank you. Not yet. Although I'm going to tell you people this. If you like cons, you need to call the con that you go to or you like and tell them you want actors that you like. Um, And if you want me to be there, uh, ask the people from the convention that you want them there because they listen to patrons. Mm -hmm. So what'll happen is like for the longest time, I, um, so I, for the longest time, there's been certain cons and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, why aren't they calling me? So, um, if you would like me to be at a con, definitely tell them I went to Ian Franklin and, and, um, they'll listen. Cause I'm, cause I am very excited. You know, I still like to go to them. And right now I have the convention at the end of this month. I also have a convention in, uh, October in Florida, Orlando, Florida, I'm going to be going to. And, um, and then I'm going to Mexico for 80s in the sand. So those are the three places so far. But okay. is there a yes, place- I'd love to go to Michigan. Tell them. I, I don't think I've ever been to Michigan or that area. Is this something we can, if we follow you on your Facebook page, if you folks find you there or on Twitter, Diane's on, she's on all the socials, find her there. She'll, yeah. she'll keep you apprised. But yeah, I hey, I'm going to call our local, uh, well, Wizard World comes here uh, to, to Cleveland and Columbus. I'll call them tomorrow. Start, yeah. uh 
make tell them what you want. I mean, it could be anybody, but, um, but yes, um, I would love to, uh, come and visit. I love meeting people and it would be so much fun. And we can talk about the international language. (laughs) Well, Well, speaking of that, we got a couple more better off dead questions, including, uh, let's see from Randy here. How long did it take you to learn the French accent? Well, um, I know that I started, I mean, I have funny story to tell you, like when I was, I, how I loved, learned French. I mean, first my parents took me on a vacation to Quebec and that is where I heard the first time I heard somebody talk like this. I remember imitating it, trying to like sound like it just because it was so, I'd never heard anything like that. It was just so different and I loved it. Uh, so my, that was my affinity for French. So then when school happened, you know, when you're in school and you have to take a a class. Oh, I took French. So I took (laughs) French for a couple of years. Um, so I'm glad I did. That was a good, but I really, again, it stems from my love of it. Like I just love how the French language sounds. And so once I got the film, um, I actually, how it happened was I did a film right before I did better off dead where I played a French nurse. I had to play like a Florence Nightingale kind of person. So this was the first time that I tried to talk this, uh, an accent dialect, this like this. And uh, so I got my feet wet and um, it was a, it was just a, I had it like in my pocket. So I felt very mm-hmm. confident about it. So once I got uh, to audition for Better Off Dead, that's when I, went into the room and I talked, you know, talked to them like this a little bit and, <laughs> and they were like, Oh my goodness, what is this? Uh, they, I don't, they did not originally see me as Monique. I think it was, I was originally, um, well, you'll read the book and you'll find yes, out. Right. <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so the interesting part about it is that I, I played Monique, um, and I also worked with a dialect coach and I, I, and I decided to add all the French in the movie. There was no French words in the movie, mm. but I added it because I knew, you know, anytime you get upset, if you speak another language, you go to mm. your native language, That's you know, right. you yes. curse in your native <laughs> language, you don't curse, yes. <laughs> you know, you just go right there. So um, to make it more authentic, I added real French. And so I'm just very happy that a lot of people, some people have said to me that they didn't know I wasn't French. And I was mm-hmm. like, yeah. And I, I told you the first time we spoke that, um, I, you broke my heart seriously in last American Virgin, because I, I was a young person just, you know, starting to feel love, you know, and started, you know, sorry, you know, sorry. being I'm attracted so to curly, curly brown haired girls in my school. Um, so Karen really, you know, it's like, wow, because it's, it's such a Hollywood ending until it suddenly isn't. But then when I saw you in Better Off Dead and then I fall in love with this character, I had no idea that was you. I didn't oh. know till you know, later. I was like, you know, back and then, then we Bill didn't have- Ted, right? That's the other one too. People yes, go, right. Bill yes. I mean, aside from like Amityville, but Bill and Ted's another one where I know that people, you know, it, I think that's what's so great about, uh, about acting. You know, like you go, wait, yeah. is that the same per- How could that- um, but thank you for saying that. And I, I mean, I know I had to redeem myself after Last American Virgin. There, you know, that was uh, <laughs> the apocalypse of so. taking it. Yeah, I had no. to. So better off dead. I'm glad people could. Oh yeah, yeah. There. So um, oh, by the way, George Carlin. Oh my gosh, yeah. what a great guy. I'm telling you, people. He was such a gentleman, and I was so shocked. Uh, I think we all were shocked when we worked with him. Hmm. 
because he, uh, you know, we thought he'd be like this foul mouth, loud oh, sure. kind of guy. <laughs> like, you know, ah, like, you know he, his routine was the, so filthy. And uh, I knew, and I thought he was hilarious, but I meet him and he's like, Hello, nice to meet you. My name is George. <laughs> like, wow. oh <laughs> Who are you? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's it's really fascinating when you meet um, entertainers personally. I mean, I, I think it's people. I mean, when people meet me, they probably feel like, wait, what is you know? There, you see that per- image of that person compared to how they are, and it's often, um, hopefully, uh, a nice surprise. Mm. But it, with him, it was shocking I, that he was so genteel. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, and Amy asks, and I think you're alluding to it already. Amy asked, did you have fun filming Bill and Ted? Uh, Fun to watch. um, Yes. Because Bill and Ted's was, I mean, it was, it wasn't an excellent adventure. It really was traveling. Uh, We went, uh, okay. So the first thing we did when we did, um, when I worked was, we shot the ending in Arizona. So Mm. it was very weird because, okay, so we go to Arizona and we shoot the prom scene, which never was shown. You guys never saw us going to the prom. Um, And Alex and Keanu looked so adorable and they looked so cute. And uh, they wore their tuxes, but they had cut them off at the knee. At some point, there's somewhere you you could see these photos. Um, They had like tuxes, they cut them off at the knee um, and they wore high tops. With of course. of course, of course. But I realized that if that if that ending had gone and happened, yep. the tux business would have had a serious problem. <laughs> the rentals, they yeah, all, they would all be cut off, like absolutely, <laughs> um, or sewn up yeah. or rolled up. Uh, so, but what a great scene! And we were, um, I was the uh, the prom queen and the prom king. We both, we all run prom queen, queens and prom kings. Um, it was lovely. So after we shot that, that's when, then we went to England, I think after that, oh, and we okay. shot Castle and mm. we, um, you know, in between the takes, we traveled Keanu and Keanu and I and Alex and um, uh, Kimberly, we all went traveling with, 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 I think Billy, the kid, the the guy who played Billy, the kid, we also went with him uh, traveling through Rome and just sightseeing on a day off, which was amazing. Wow. And we need that movie. I yeah, want to see like, that you know, movie. Um, and that castle. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It was so beautiful. Uh, and it just felt so real. Uh, I think mm-hmm. once you put your costumes on, you get into character and then you're shooting in the rooms and it just, it feels like you're back in time. Yeah. You know, Alex told us uh, that we talked to Alex a few months ago when uh, oh. the third film came out and he told us that it smelled horribly in the phone booth, yeah. but it was a real <laughs> phone booth. So it was very small. And he told us who the stinkiest person was. He doesn't blame it on the actor, but he said the Abraham Lincoln costume smelled terribly. He thinks it was like made from wool blankets and then <sighs> shooting in Arizona, you know, he said didn't help. Of course. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. I know it, it, that Arizona thing. I was always like, where's that footage? Cause that was so cool. But, but okay. So we do this Arizona shooting and then, and the prom and everything they're decorated and they're like the gym or whatever we shot it. It was gorgeous. And then they're like, okay, no, we're going to do a reshoot at the end. So oh. we then go to somebody's garage. I think it was in the Pacific Palisades. I'm not sure, but it was a, a garage and we're shooting Bill and Ted's, um, with George, you saw that photo right. uh, with okay. him. And um, 
it was, and then even then we were like, okay, yeah, there's searchers. That's someone's like garage. And when we shot it oh. also, we're like, okay, so we're in the band now. We didn't even know we were in the band until we shot that scene. <laughs> we had no idea. Right. They were like, well, okay, well, now you guys, you know, you play the drums and I'll be like, oh, well, I'll play the keyboard because oh. I can play the keyboard. And we didn't know if, the, you know, obviously that there was going to be a sequel at all, but yeah. we were like, okay, we will, you know, we'll just pick it. So I, I played this keyboard cause I know how to play a little bit. And so, um, or had to look at least like I didn't know how to play. Yeah. Uh, and right. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, that was a very fun ending, I think to the whole series. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know. So in that garage, so that means maybe two garages were used then for the shoot, right? Because we do see it, uh, earlier in the film when they're there, obviously, and you're saying oh. you did a pickup sh shot, uh, shot or reshoot. Yeah, you know what? I, that's a good question. I oh. don't know if they had shot mm. other scenes in a different oh, garage. Right. I, feel like they... I, was, I feel like we did shoot that ending in a different garage. Right. I, because I feel mm. like it was on it. It was the, the, the garages that were used before in the film yeah. um, looked like they were on level land. So I feel like. I think like they shot it in a place where, you know, they could shoot into it. But this one I think was like on a hill. I just, I remember it not being level. I mean, essentially like the outside. Right. So I don't know. That's a good question. Hmm. Maybe you'll <laughs> Getting a lot of love for the films here. Um, Victoria writes her husband has all three Bill and Ted films, which of course, you know, we've got our well, you, have to, you have to bring them to conventions and I'll oh, okay, sign Okay, very good. And, you know, by the way, also, I would love at some point, wouldn't it be fun if all princesses were at the convention? Like if we got awesome. all of this together, yes. I wouldn't mind meeting the other women. I mean, I certainly, obviously, Kim and I wanted to be in the third one. We, you know, there's more on that mm. another time. But I'll say that um, I have, you know, Kim and I both love all the princesses. I, I met Annette. I actually did a convention uh, as Koi with her. Um, we did a convention together and... It would just be fun to have all the, of course, the yeah. princesses together. At I'll a, say, I'll say it for you, Diane. It was a travesty. Oh. Everybody else came back. Why did they bring the princesses back? It was perfect opportunity to have come full circle. Well, oh you know, I wish I had an answer for that. Mm. It's, it was most. I'm going to say it most untriumphant, most bogus. <laughs> <laughs> it was most bogus. Was, but you know, I'm going to say. You know, and I, I really was, I, I know Alex can't really say anything, um, but I, I hope that I, I think at some point somewhere along the line, the tr truth will come out of sure. whatever happened. And in the meantime, yes, I shall be most regal. Well, and you are, you are our princess, you know, that's the other stuff. It's, most you know, appreciated <laughs> a lot of better off dead love here uh better off dead oh, best no, no. movie ever tentacles they're called no, testicles tentacles something uh. like this uh, testicles oh that is right st and right. yeah, nt right. right. thank you brandon right. merci buckets brandon joe writes sorry your mom blew up <laughs> That is a great line. Crying. And there is a quote section in my book as well, by the way. So excellent. That was really great. Sorry, your mom blew up. Um, I find that a lot of people love that quote. And she, oh my goodness, working with Laura Waterbury, mm. the woman who played Mrs. Smith. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh so she, funny. This yeah. woman, Ricky. Yeah, talking like that. Ricky. Yeah. Come on. You know, come on, come on, Ricky. Come on. It was like yeah. When she first, the first time I worked with her was the scene where Ricky um, had the nose spray and he walks in the room and he, <laughs> by the way, improvised that Danny, uh, mm. Dan Schneider came in and, and we did not expect that. 
And, you know, we all have to keep a straight face. And she, with her big hair and her big look, (laughs) you know, coming and bringing him in and him just like completely being so relaxed and just with those eyes, I cry laughing. Like we'd shoot and then we'd cut and everyone would just break. It was, (laughs) it was really, really funny. It was great. It was just great that, you know, everyone involved enjoyed it and thought it was really funny too. Yeah, T- Tiff writes, Better Off Dead was such a fun movie. You look amazing. Oh, merci, merci buckets. I, I really appreciate that. I, I feel like, um, you know, obviously it was a, a long time ago, but I, what I'm excited about, thank you very much, Tiff. Um, uh, what I think is is cool is that um, I just can be here talking about it on the internet. Like when I did the movie, you know, I would never imagine we'd be talking about it today. Yep. I mean, just because it, that this wasn't even possible. Look how beautiful this is. Where the pandemic has made us so comfortable to be able to talk right. on the internet, yes. Yes. Uh, to like connect. And so, I'm really grateful, and I and I thank you so much. I appreciate it. You know, you did. You, you reminded me. You brought up uh, the uh, Ted Bundy film that you're you, you're in, and your daughter is in. We don't know what happens yeah. to her. We don't want to know. Okay. Nope. Um, tell but it's curious to me that, you know, you, we've talked about some so far, except for Last American Virgin, so many of the lighthearted comedies you were in in the 1980s, except for Amityville 2, which mm-hmm. happened, you know, around the same time as Last American Virgin. It was pretty shortly right thereafter, maybe even shot right. him around the same time. Yeah, um, pretty pretty soon after. And then, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, uh, Amityville 2. I mean, my life has been very interesting. In fact, I have to tell you something. I just found out. Um, there's going to be someone's, I have like, I've actually never won any awards. I I've never gone down that road. You know, again, I've always been attracted to roles more than necessarily type Accolades. of yeah. people have said to me, like, what do you prefer comedy or drama? And I have to say, I just love both. And, um, you know, I love all aspects of it, um, because I just like the challenge. So, um, but Ahar has a lot of great roles and, mm. Um, I, I'm going to be getting uh, a lifetime achievement award um, from an organization. So I'm going to tell you guys later about yeah. it. But I, I just was like, I'm, I'm one of the few actors who actually, I mean, there's a handful, like maybe two handful uh, people who have worked since they were a kid. And mm. I started when I was 10 years old. You know, professionally modeling and then commercials, theater, soap opera. Right. So my life and my experience is different. I, I when I was younger, I thought, oh, everyone does this, but I didn't realize a lot of people start later. Um, right. So, uh, but um, yes, with Amityville, one of my things was, uh, you know, my bucket list was like, I have to do a horror film. This is like, it's like a rite of passage as an actor. Mm. And at the time when I did Amityville too horror was not considered a medium that you wanted to go into as an actor. It was a little bit, I guess at that time, again, because it wasn't, there were less films being made. It was more, I don't know. It was just, it was a different time. It was just not as much content. Right. And they're expensive to obviously make too, but, um, uh, but I knew like, I mean, a horror film, there's so much magical that happens behind the screen. Um, and I, I, I mean, I, I always wanted to do one. So when I did Amityville 2, um, I also thought, who's going to see this film? Because <laughs> part two, right. I mean, who's going to see this film? Nobody sees part two. Everyone sees part one. 
how naive was I, yeah. right? So, yes. uh, and then, so then, of course, years later in 2017, um, the director who had seen Amityville 2 and it completely rocked his world is Daniel Ferens. Right. And Daniel uh, was the one who gave me Amityville Murders, the movie. So, again, just like, what a wild dance. Yeah. And it means so much to me, honestly. For you, anyone who sees these films, um, these films mean so much to me. Amityville 2 to Amityville Murders, like the whole idea of playing the daughter and once in the story and then playing the mother right. in a, basically the same story and playing Louise DeFeo, who was a real woman who right. obviously, you know, died from this terrible tragedy. So I don't, um, I mean, honestly, I don't feel like, oh, you know, like, um, I don't take it lightly. I, I take it like real, like seriously. And it was a gift like to be able to do those roles. And I think it's really interesting for the audience to see too, you know, it's, it's both very real. It's curious to me that, uh, you know, you mentioned about horror and sort of uh, giving roles that are more for you to sink your teeth in. Mm. Uh, and certainly it's probably harder to convince folks that something is terrifying than it is funny. But it seems like lately you've been doing more and more horror films, you know, since uh, Amityville uh, Murders. Um, yes. I mean, I've done, uh, I'm doing, I am doing combat. It's funny. Like I am doing, like I did a pilot where I played like this waitress and it was kind of a funny part. And, uh, then I, and I've, I've got like, I mean, we kind of go either way, but the thing about comedy I have to say is, I mean, I'm sorry. The thing about horror is okay. So, so horror, a lot of people didn't do, it wasn't considered that great. Well, come to, you know, 2021 we're horror is amazing. Everybody's doing horror. All great actors are doing horror. Um, is every horror film blood and guts and eyeballs popping out and all this stuff? No, it's become more boutique. So now we, we have like boutique custom. You, oh, you could, you could say I'm a, like something a little scary or I like it, like, uh, like a thriller or I, I like to do, um, you know, uh, like a blood and guts one or like, like monsters. So we can all find our boutique film within horror. Um, but what I've noticed, and that's one of the reasons why I do horror, is because that's where the meat is and the juicy roles. So you get, for a person my age, the roles are there. It's heavy duty, you know, deeper parts. Whereas um, in, let's say, television, we're looking for the mom and it's, it's one scene and she's gone. Or, you know, um, they don't they don't get into the storyline so much about the older character. Um, although this has changed because they are doing, you know, a lot of actors who have made a lot of money, they take their money and then they put it back into production. So they'll produce their own TV shows or they'll produce their own movies because they want to bring older actors into it. And, and all I can say is my contribution to young for young actors, if you're out there, I'm performing and I'm doing as much work as possible to help you be able to get that, that break when you're my age, like as you go older, you know, Oh, I want to play roles, you know, well then there'll be something in the past that you can go to and go, yeah, you know, there are roles that you can play when you get older. So that's my idea. I don't know. (laughs) Beautiful. Uh, Joey cool cats asking if anything weird happened on the set, I guess he's talking about Amityville. Two or Amityville Murders. Amityville, okay, Amityville, um, the possession. Mm-hmm. I blocked out all weirdness, and there were some weird things that happened, but not 
for me in particular. Uh, my, I just kind of went, because I played a character that was really innocent. So I had to push away any weird vibes. Mm, and so that was where I went. But when I did Amityville Murders, now I'm playing the mother, which was the empath of the family. Like I had to be connected to everybody. So totally different story. And what was weird, I had, okay, I had a couple of things happen. And by the way, um, if you get the Blu-ray to Amityville Murders, they have a special um, features, right? Yeah. Special features thing. Right. It is gold. You got to get it. I, I okay. actually watched it and there were things I didn't know that happened during the film that were strange. So oh. I highly recommend you getting that. Um, but I will tell you one thing that was, one thing that was just odd. So um, I wonder if I, t- okay, I don't want to say the thing that was in the, in the, in there. Um, all right. So one thing that was odd was I have acted my whole life and never, ever during any performance have I ever lost my voice. Hmm. So the first day we shoot Amityville murders, um, I go to perform totally normal day. We do no screaming. Okay. None. All right. Cause I could understand like that happening. Right. Plus I was in good health. There was nothing wrong. The second day I shot, lost my voice, lost my voice in a way that I have never done. Wow. I could not talk like this. It was kind of like this. And it was the, it was the strangest, hmm. most bizarre thing. So it, it happened for like three days. I could not talk and I had to loop all my lines that were, Oh wow. Uh, that was bad, which luckily I'm a, I'm a good looper, yeah. but um, mm-hmm. I lost my voice and people on the set were freaking out because sure. they were trying to get me better. They were like, you know, gave me special teas and, you know, told me to like, you know, rest my neck, my, my throat and massage it and all, just all kinds of stuff was going on. And it was the oddest experience. So we get through it. And so my feeling was like, it's just Amityville. I'm just going to have to let it be. It's just, it's just the feeling of the, what happens. And I, I relaxed with it. I let the flow go. And, and eventually I got my voice back and, and was fine. So then we had to go to do the, the looping, uh, in one day. And as we're doing it again, no screaming. The minute we started recording, lost my voice again. Wow. And I was like, that's really bizarre yes and that's just like a small thing but it was very Mm. bizarre because when you're working on a film you know everyone has to work together so Mm. it's almost like the energy that's sort of surrounding you and in the room you kind of just it's something like that's keeping things from happening Mm. and it doesn't sound that weird there is there are some very very big things that happened to me during that film uh that i talk about um in that special feature part but uh, yeah, weird things do happen. And I think it has to do with your energy. You have yeah. to, you're either open to it mm-hmm. or you're closed off. So that's how I feel as a actor, because I'm always have to be connected in emotionally and be vulnerable. So you can let in some energy that perhaps is not that good. And you have to figure out how to handle that. So that's right. um, my recommendation, you know, for, uh, yeah, keep, you have to either block it or let it in. So. Mm-hmm. And so, well, and so I see we're going to let Diane go in just a, about 10 minutes or so. So if you have any questions, please get them in now. Getting a lot of comments about how much folks love uh, Amityville, how 80s was the best oh, decade for horror movies. Um, 
now, if, just so people know, you you and you weren't shooting in the Ocean Avenue home uh, in Amityville, where the terrible murders took place, and then the alleged hauntings after, right? You were shooting yeah. on a set somewhere. So here's what I want to do, and this is an uh, I'm definitely going to do this at some point. I okay. definitely want to go back to Long Island. In fact, I was supposed to do a convention when COVID hit last year in Long Island, and I was so excited because I wanted to go back to the original house. I was ne- I never shot at the house. We shot in Tom's River, New Jersey, in Amityville oh. too. Um, the exterior and the interior we did in Mexico. And then Amityville Murders, the movie, uh, we shot here in Los Angeles. So I've never been to the house. And people say that, you know, I mean, obviously whoever owns the house now, they're <laughs> who knows? I'm going to knock on their door and go, hi, <laughs> you don't know me, but yeah. I would like to step in your house. Yeah. So <laughs> it's like, so that'll be interesting. I, I hope they find out I'm saying this because I definitely would like to visit them. But um, yeah, we never shot in the original house. Mm. So the, all the weird things that we're talking about, to the extent you believe in this stuff or not, somehow yeah. it reached the, you know, the set of this uh, fil- these films. By the way, I have to show you guys something. Um, I don't know if you know this. Um, I did a movie, another kind of thriller, and it's mm-hmm. called The Final, oops, Final Interview. There we right. go. Yeah. Um, and I'm reading this up. It's a really cool, th- it's another thriller. Um, but this is done by a great guy. Uh, his name is Fred Vogel. Great director, writer, director, excellent film. And so if you like thrillers, I highly recommend go to like thefinalinterview.com. And that's the only place you can buy it. Oh, the reason why it's, I want to bring it up and I'm just saying, I did this a couple of years ago too. Um, very cool. They've got all the different things on it here. I'm doing with the sales pitch. Um, and then they've got these like evidence. They have these collector's cards, but the reason why I think this is an interesting film, it's, it's just like an art film. You get pictures signed by all of us working on it, artwork. Um, so, but anyway, and then there's the poster and stuff, but anyway, um, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because this film is one of the few films you will watch where the, the, the murder mystery of it is not spoon fed. Mm. And it's really fascinating because where you talked about, we talked about horror and how different people like, like different kinds of horror. Right. This one is, you have to listen really well mm. and you will watch this film and you will not be able to leave your seat you won't want to miss anything. When, when this played in the theater, we were, uh, no, you didn't hear a pin drop because you have to listen really, really carefully. And so I feel like it's for, um, maybe the, I don't know if the younger audience would appreciate it as much as an older audience, because I don't know if you can sit still and watch a film that long without moving. Like if you can listen that well, this film is for people who listen well. And it's a great film. So I, it's my, it's really kind of my art film. So I just and wanted to share that with you. If people are interested, the final interview, it's, it's, it's shot like a play and it's, uh, uh um, uh, Granger Hines plays my husband. Um, and, um, uh, I was going to say, um, Damien and I can never get, hold on. Damien, his last name. Oh, Jack Maruchek. How do you say it? I don't Maris, know how to say it. Maris, and you know what? I Oh, here. Uh, Mariskak. Mariskak is the um, the serial killer. And I seem to be doing a lot of serial killer things. But yes. excellent actor. Excellent. So 
And I, I double checked just so folks know, it's the finalinterviewmovie.com right. is where you're going to want to go to be able to get that uh, movie. So little inside scoop, little suggestions. By the way, I do have to say something. I don't know how many people are watching, but if you don't know, you need to follow my daughter, Olivia De Laurentiis, yes. on TikTok. She's going to be in the film with the Bundy movie with me where she does her first dramatic role. Which is she's hilarious. He's hilarious. He's, otherwise, he's, he's a comedian. I mean, she's a comedic yes. act, actress. So uh, go and you see TikTok. Go to uh, Sid and Olivia on TikTok. She's also on Snapchat. Uh, Apocalypse Goals is her show. Um, if you look up Olivia De Laurentiis, you'll see the stuff she's done. Hilarious sketches. Uh, she's a writer. She writes for um, something called a Smosh. Maybe a lot of people know sure. who it is. I oh, yeah. that or thing is, but Smosh. She writes for Smosh. Right. So. I'm just telling you about that. And then also listen to my son, Nick De Laurentiis on Spotify. Um, and he is a classical bass musician, but he also writes his own music. So Nick De Laurentiis. So just got to say that. A talented a family. Yeah, I got to say my mom. And my husband is writer uh, for, he has written, um, he writes, uh, wrote for Fairly Odd Parents, uh, Tough oh, Puppy. Tough. He's a writer, producer, mm-hmm. and he's more uh, like does animation, but he's also uh, writing uh some cool upcoming projects. So I can't talk about them. But anyway, he's writing stuff too. So um, yeah, look up Nick uh, Ray De Laurentiis. Yeah. So. And, your, and your daughter, for folks who don't know, she's the spinning image of you as a, you know, yeah. when you're in the 1980s. I mean, if you, if they ever did any like prequels to any of those films or just wanted to, you know, set it again, she could easily play, uh, you know, uh. one of your characters from that decade well you know she auditioned for luckily i'm going to tell you something with bill and ted face the music the one great thing they did is they auditioned olivia to play my daughter with keanu oh of course before they made the decision she went up but she doesn't you know look i think like keanu so much i mean i think they wanted a more of a tall sort of lanky look yeah um but wouldn't that have been amazing if yeah. we had played, if I was in the film and she was, you know, played the daughter. So, but she did a, a kick-ass audition. She kicked ass, <laughs> as well, Monique would say. <laughs> Diane, I see we've had you here for about an hour. Uh, oh so I'm going to, I want to make sure that we take a moment to thank you for, for joining us uh, this evening. It's been an absolute pleasure watching you throughout the 1980s and since. And of course, it's been a delight speaking with you uh, this evening. We'll make sure that we remind folks about all the things that you're up to. Well, uh, you're lovely. And thank you so much for having me on the show. And thank, and everyone, thank you so much for, if you watch this, thank you so much. And uh, staying connected with me uh, because I will be visiting and coming to hopefully your area soon. And uh, merci, buckets. <laughs> <laughs>